and welcome to a new episode of a look back with Mac. I know we've been away for a while, another my bad. Try to figure things out ahead of uh, the you know the school year starting. Pretty sure it's that way for everybody right now. We are back here on the look back with Mac. And today's episode is call it the fantasy football special currently going on of course that everybody's talking about in the sports world is the nba playoffs occurring uh with the first round not being wrapped up yet uh some matchups wrapped up uh next week up next week's episode and as you can tell we're gonna move things to wednesdays yeah uh this episode with the fantasy football special, our next episode will be recapping the first round of the NBA playoffs and giving a little insight into the second round. Here, the fantasy football special, we'll discuss breakout candidates, who you should take at your spots in the draft, some sleepers to start, some guys to go after and be aggressive for, and who are some of the guys you you can put on ideally at least your bench. Let's get things started with, of course, probably the number one question in fantasy football. Who do I take with my number one overall pick? It's down to two guys. There's two guys you take with your top two pick. If you don't take either of them, I think that you're insane, quite honestly. I don't, I don't want to bash anybody here that actually uh, picked anybody other than these two guys in the top two picks. But, yeah, that's I don't think that that was the greatest decision in the world. You got to go with either Christian McCaffrey, obviously, or Saquon Barkley. Uh, Barkley was the number one fantasy player in 2018, heading into 2019, the number one projected fantasy player. Obviously, suffered the injury against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers early last season, missed eight about missed about eight weeks, came back, ended up still being pretty dominant. I do think that the upside for Saquon Barkley is pretty large, and that maybe you could take a gamble taking him. Obviously, he's going to be used very, very heavily in that Giants offense. With Daniel Jones is still developing quarterback in his second year, who really hasn't proved that he can take over that franchise the same as Eli Manning did. So I think that they'll use Barkley in the pass game a little more with some screen plays and check downs. And I think overall, Barkley's a better player in real life in real life football than uh, Christian McCaffrey. I think that he at least has more of the great traits of a running back, at least. But I think that Christian McCaffrey definitely, going into this season, earns the title of the number one back in both fantasy and real life, which is why I think if you're taking that number one overall pick, I, I think you got to take Christian McCaffrey. Yes, go you can go with the gamble with Saquon Barkley. If you like to live life on the dangerous side, go ahead and pick Saquon. There's, but if you pick, let's say, Zeke, or maybe Patrick Mahomes if you're not that, you know, into fantasy football and this is kind of like your first or second year. If you're going to take Patrick Mahomes with your top two or Zeke or anybody other than Saquon or Christian McCaffrey, that's not living life on the dangerous side, in my opinion. That is just being absolutely plain out stupid. Christian McCaffrey in that pass game is going to be used a lot. When you look at Teddy Bridgewater, went 6-0 and with the Saints last year, has 22 wins. I think it was a 22-5 and record as a quarterback in his career. 
of course, was projected to be a number one overall pick, possibly, to the Houston Texans. This was, of course, before they got Deshaun Watson. Uh, the Texans, as we all know, uh, took Jadavion Clowney with that. Clowney has gone on to bigger and better things. Bridgewater fell on the number 32 overall pick to the Minnesota Vikings. Him, he be, he was being the first and one of only two quarterbacks drafted at the number 31 position in the past decade. The other, of course, being Lamar Jackson, the more popular known quarterback taken number 32 overall. But Christian McCaffrey, sorry about that, just making sure that my mic was plugged in here, but Christian McCaffrey is the better pick. McCaffrey's going to be used in the pass game because, I mean, look at Bridgewater's film and look at his numbers. He was throwing a lot of passes within seven yards of receivers and especially one with checkdowns. That's where he's made his money. Christian McCaffrey in the entire league, of course, put him up against wide receivers as well, had the second most receptions in the league. Of course, falling behind Michael Thomas, who set an NFL record for most receptions in a single season. Christian McCaffrey led all running backs by a large amount and was number two overall in the NFL in total receptions. And if you're playing a PPR league, that's a point every reception. This dude is an all-purpose monster. We all knew he was coming out of Stanford. Many regarded him as the best all-purpose player in college football history. So obviously his talent was going to translate to fantasy football if he could play as well as he did in Stanford. In the end, Christian McCaffrey, number one overall to me, is a no-brainer. But yeah, live life on the dangerous side and pick Saquon if you want to. But I think McCaffrey is going to get a lot more touches. I think he's going to get more touchdowns because I think that he will be used the most in the Panthers in both the pass game and the run game because the Panthers in the pass game, sure, they added Robbie Anderson. They got Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, three good wide receivers. DJ Moore, in my opinion, is going to be the only main wide receiver used in that pass game because of what Christian McCaffrey can do in that pass game. I think Matt Rule knows that coming into Carolina and that he should probably use Christian McCaffrey in the pass game at least, essentially as a number two wide receiver. Let's see if he can stay healthy and not get worn down by his by all the usage he has, but he's going to get all the touches in the run game. There's I don't think there's anybody there that's going to take touches away from him. In the pass game, I think maybe Robbie Anderson coming in could take some touches away there, but I still think that he could lead the team, at least be in the top two in the team 100% in receptions. So if you got that number one overall pick, I, I, if you're asking me for your advice, obviously I'm saying take Christian McCaffrey. But I don't think that it's clinically insane to take Saquon Barkley at number two. I think that's living life on the dangerous side and taking a huge, huge risk. And, you know, some people love to take the expression high risk, high reward with them all the time. I know multiple guys that are that like doing that. I've had multiple fantasy drafts where uh, Saquon Barkley has been the number one overall pick. But the general consensus is Christian McCaffrey. And there, there's people like myself that like to go against the traditional pick from all the analysts. But I think that this one is one that you think that it's 
just too overwhelming to go against it and try to be that outside. You have to go with the general consensus. You do have to kind of follow what the analysts are saying, even if you know you don't agree with the analysts a lot. I've had a number, a couple of number one overall picks. It took me three seconds. Boom, Christian McCaffrey's in there. Well, uh, fantasy team coming out of a, at least a 12-team uh, PPR draft. This, this is following a trade, so I'll, I'll put the starting quarterback that I had in there uh, before I made a trade for uh, this guy, but in my opinion, an ideal team. Uh, uh, this team is projected to have 122.2 fantasy points according to ESP. I, tra I traded for Patrick Mahomes. I was able to get that. Uh, but starting quarterback... Carson Wentz. They stay healthy. They could put up some numbers. Of course, he's got Zach Erson, Dallas Goddard, easily the best one-two punch at tight end in the NFL. In fantasy, uh, Wentz put up some big fantasy numbers last year. The start of the season for Wentz was insane. Took a little bit of a downhill decline. I really didn't follow him much in a couple of my fantasy leagues. Uh, the one fantasy league, at least, where I had Wentz. Tannehill did wonders for me. I think that we'll talk about him a little later, but I think that he could be definitely a huge sleeper that you can pick up off the waiver wire who's going to do very well for you. Possibly could even be a starter. But Carson Wentz at quarterback, yeah, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he can do in fantasy. He put up some big numbers last season at the quarterback position. Uh, if I can find him here, here he is. Uh, actually going up against him this week after I traded him. Uh, here's what his first... Uh, let's go with six games of the season looked like. Uh, week one against Washington put up 25 fantasy points. Week two against Atlanta put up 17 and a half fantasy points. Week three against Detroit, 21.66 uh, fantasy points. Uh, week four at Green Bay put up 19.7. Week five against the New York Jets, his most underwhelming game by far. The start of the season only put up 12.06. Still decent at the quarterback position. Followed that up with a great performance at Minnesota, 20.54. Only had... Two games last season under 10 total fantasy points, ranked 10th among all quarterbacks in total fantasy points. Projected to take a step down at least a little bit, not even projected to have 10 less points than he had last year. Uh, accumulated a total of 275.86 last season, and Carson Wentz had a full healthy season last year, so I think you can rely on him, on him from a health standpoint. At running back, running back number one, this could be one of two guys in my opinion. One of possibly three guys. If you're picking, you know, mid to late rounds, which is where I'm ex I'm expecting this is where you're going to get your ideal draft, picking from about the 6 to the 9 spot, maybe the 6 to the 12 spot. In that top half, your ideal team is probably going to consist of guys like Chris Carson at the running back, probably a flex in Marvin Jones Jr. Will. Your ideal draft is probably going to happen from the 6 to the 9 spot. I think that from that 6 to 9 spot, you could take one of three guys here, one of them is a big-time risk. The other is a guy that has grown on me, still a risk. And one is, you know, you got to hope he falls to you. And that guy is Derrick Henry, the one that you hope he falls to you. In the first six weeks of the season, uh, he does not show up. In the first six weeks of the season, you know, he's not the greatest, your most conventional guy. Yes, at Cleveland to start the season, he put up 28. But here was his numbers up until week eight, which is, you know, the traditional turning point for him. 17 against Indy, 11 back-to-back -back weeks at Jacksonville and Atlanta, 13 against Buffalo, 4 against Denver, 17.8 uh, against the Chargers, and 7 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Following that up with not with only one performance under 20 points, and that was the game against Houston where he was injured. He also got 21 carries in that game. Only finished with 86 yards, 
uh, coming up with his 8.6 points. I uh, did not play against New Orleans. I uh, had 28, 23, 23, and 39 to end out the year. I think that he's a guy you got to hope shows up for the entire season if you want to get that consistent fantasy production from him. If not, why not sell high? Use his performance on the playoffs. Use his dominant success at the back end of last year as a reason for saying, you know, this dude is gonna ha- this dude has upside. This dude has proven he's gonna put up big numbers, and he's gonna tra- he could translate that into this year. Use him to sell high. Probably throw in a flex or maybe a guy coming off the bench that could be a flex, like Will Fuller or Marvin Jones Jr. I think that those are reasonable guys to get a- to lead off on your bench. Uh, trade them for a Dalvin Cook or an Alvin Kamara. Try to get guys who show up week one to week 17, as long as they're healthy. Uh, The guy that has grown on me, but is still a risk nonetheless, because he's a rookie running back, is Clyde Edwards-Elaire. Going to get the main touches of the running back position in Kansas City. ESPN has him. uh, I've ended up trading for him in one league. Uh, They project him 16 points first week, 243 total. Because this dude's going to get the main touches. And in... A pass-heavy offense, and when I say pass-heavy, I mean that this offense is tremendously, tremendously pass-heavy. He's making catches consistently. That's a point. Let's say he's pretty, he might get 10 catches a game, possibly, coming out of that backfield with screen plays. There's, I think that there's going to be at least one game where he's getting 10 catches. I think that he's probably getting maybe five catches a game, you could realistically say, uh, when you're thinking upside. And then handoffs. uh, The Chiefs haven't had a dominant running back in the Mahomes era. Could they give the ball to Clyde Edwards-Elair, who proved he can also be a physical runner out of the backfield? Did it many games at LSU against Clemson. Did it a little bit against Oklahoma. Although they did rely on Joe Burrow to kind of take the helm at that game and just dominate. Uh, Did it against Alabama. Back end of that game, made multiple strong physical runs to keep Alabama in the ground. And, of course, made that physical second and nine run for the first down to seal the deal against Bama. This dude is a physical runner who can gain extra yards. He's going to fight for every yard he gets which I believe means that he is going to get more touches in terms of handoffs than any running back has in Kansas City since Mahomes has taken the helm at the starting quarterback. Not to mention the screen plays he's going to get thrown to him. Not to mention the checkdowns he's going to get. I don't think he's going to get as many touch checkdowns as a normal offense because Mahomes is famously known as a scrambler and playmaker to throw 30 yards down the field. But with that checkdown option... Does he kind of take that aspect out of his game? Try to play a little safer? Get away from the razzle-dazzle? And just drive down the field? Punch it punch it down teams' throats? Instead of having to razzle-dazzle, create plays, and suffer for a field goal in the end? Because that happened multiple times last year. It happened in multiple drives in the Packers game, which they ended up losing. I do think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire gets a lot of touches in that offense, but again, he's a rookie running back, and I always think rookie running backs and rookies in any position pose a big risk when you take them. But I think that this is the guy that has the absolute most upside, and I've ha- and this is the guy I've had the most trust in in a rookie running back. I think that this is the guy that you should have the most trust in a rookie running back in a while. The most upside in a rookie running back, possibly in the last five years. 
Your running back two, you have got to be aggressive to get Austin Eckler in that second round. Maybe late first. I am telling you that Austin Eckler is going to, at least in my opinion, be the Christian McCaffrey of this season. Does he put up CMC numbers? I don't think so. CMC was putting up 40, 30 points a game. I don't think you do that. I think Eckler could put up 20 points a game, at least. He put up 309 last season. From a running back standpoint, only had three touchdowns. From a receiving standpoint, had eight. Two against Indy, one against Miami, one against Tennessee, one against Chicago, one against uh, the Raiders, one against Denver, and one against Jacksonville. That's actually, yeah, that's eight receiving touchdowns, a total of 11. And with that offense, they're going to have Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert, guys who I believe could be checked down heavy, guys. Eckler's going to get those catches. Had He had multiple 100-yard receiving games last year, which was a main part of his fantasy game. Now that he's not splitting touches with Melvin Gordon, he's going to get about 80% of that touches in the backfield. He's probably splitting a little bit of time with Justin Jackson, but Eckler's going to be the clear-cut number one guy there that they're giving the ball to constantly. They're going to feed him the rock, and he's going to get those yards. He's going to rack up points for you. He is a guy that is in the top half of projections that people are overlooking. I'll be I'll be the first to admit I was a guy overlooking CMC last year. I thought that, you know, even with Zeke's holdout, he could probably do better than Christian McCaffrey. I thought that he was a little bit overhyped last year. I'm not going to be ashamed to admit that, that that terrible, terrible ice-cold take. Because as we saw, Christian McCaffrey put up the best fantasy, fantasy season we've probably ever seen. But I'm not going to overlook Eckler. The number four guy amongst running backs and only got the main touches in the backfield. Six games, five games. Come on. The upside on this dude is tremendous. Tremendous. I know I keep saying that word. Just, I don't know why. I just really like, I just really like using that word. I probably need to expand my vocabulary a little bit. Uh, yeah, I've been out of school way too long. Uh, I need to go back. Come on. Uh, I think we all, I think we all need, you know, to get it. Just, I mean, we've gotten out of the house, obviously, but you know, this is probably the most excited I've been to go back to school since I was probably in second grade. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, Eckler, I think he's going to have an amazing fantasy season. I think that he is going to rank in the top three amongst running backs because of his ability to do well in the pass game and because he's not splitting touches and because Tyrod Taylor is not a quarterback of the future I think he's a bottom I think that he could be described as the 30th best quarterback in the league in among, among starters heading into the season Justin Herbert's going to be an unproven rookie who they don't want to take too many risks with at least keep him healthy because of course the Chargers believe he's going to be the franchise the future of the franchise Eckler's going to get a lot of touches, a lot of handoffs, a lot of screen plays. And he's also a deep, deep field, downfield threat, a deep ball threat as a receiver. I think the upside on this dude is tremendous. And in the multiple leagues where I was not fortunate enough to draft him, 
I was able to get trades that I feel like benefited me a lot. Uh, there's a couple of leagues where I don't have him, but there was this one league I didn't have him. Uh, my two running backs were Miles Sanders and Chris Carson. Uh, I was able to trade Tyler Boyd straight up for Austin Eckler, which I felt like was a huge win for me because I had uh, a guy on the bench named Marvin Jones Jr., who I believe could be a good flex, but I did upgrade from him, traded him and another bench guy for uh, Devontae Parker, who's now my flex in that league. Uh, but I, I then proceeded to trade Chris Carson and Miles Sanders for Alvin Kamara, and I upgraded that backfield from Alvin from uh, Chris Carson and Miles Sanders to Alvin Kamara and Austin Eckler. That that's a pretty that's a huge upgrade right there, in my opinion. So those are your ideal running backs, uh, realistically. Uh, wide receivers, probably wide receiver number one. Why not go with Juju? He's got Big Ben coming back, who is looking better than ever. Uh, he's coming off a season where a lot of people, he's coming off a bad season, and now a lot of people are doubting him. I've got a lot of people telling me that Juju Smith-Schuster is overrated, and I don't think you can base it off of one season. I want to see what he can do this year. I think that, I mean, last season, look at his quarterback situation, Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. That's a terrible quarterback situation for Juju Smith-Schuster, and I think that this year could be a bounce-back year for him he's facing he's on a Steelers team facing the 31st easiest the 31st toughest schedule aka the second easiest schedule in the league yes he, I mean he did rank 65 among wide receivers did miss a string of four games though which kind of hurt his stats a little bit but he's gonna get he's gonna be the wide receiver one Ben loves his wide receiver ones he's already formed a connection with Juju I think that Juju Smith-Schuster is gonna get a lot of throws from Big Ben and he Ben's throw throws 45 50 times a game in that Tomlin offense that means Juju's gonna get targets and if Juju's out on a, out on a mission to prove these haters wrong which I believe he will be with the amount of hate that he's been getting, that I've seen at least. I feel like that he's going to put up some big numbers. Not top, maybe not top 10 wide receiver numbers. I think that that is a huge year. That's a an amazing year for Juju. I think it's, I don't think it's really, I don't think it's a, out of the question though to possibly put him in a top 15 wide receiver projected at the end of this season because of his situation. Got a lot better. He's got franchise quarterback Big Ben coming back at 38, coming off a much-needed elbow surgery, with yeah, which, yes, a lot of guys don't recover from that, but he's looked good in camp. He said he's thrown harder than ever. He's lost 30 pounds, and from what I've seen in camp, he looks more versatile than he had, uh, at least uh, uh, scrambling-wise. He looks more mobile than he has in quite a few years. I think that Ben is going to have a, a big year. And Juju being that wide receiver one, we all know Ben's wide receiver ones do very well in fantasy. Look at Antonio Brown's numbers before he went crazy. I think Juju's bound for a good year. Next, I think you gotta take you gotta take Calvin Ridley, a wide receiver, in my opinion. I think Calvin Ridley and Austin Eckler are two realistic guys you can go aggressive for to get as your running back and wide receiver two, and they're gonna dominate into possible wide receiver one situations. Calvin Ridley has improved his route running immensely. He has great hands, and at the end of last season, he put up some fantastic numbers. Ranked twenty seventh among wide receivers. End of the season, didn't play the last three games. Coming off the bye, had only seven against New Orleans but put up 28 against Carolina, 22 against Tampa Bay, 17 against New Orleans, and 18 against Carolina. Had three games where he was under uh, double-digit points, but he was able to put up some big games last year. His route running's gotten a lot better, and he's going to get wide receiver two attention from defenses, and when the wide receiver one is Julio Jones, arguably the best in the league, I think that he could possibly get in wide, wide receiver three-type coverage, you know, DB threes on the depth chart. 
or some free safety or strong safeties trying to cover him going off the tight end now that it's Hayden Hurst and not Austin Hooper, but I do think Hayden Hurst could make a splash this year. Get him as your backup tight end if there's no better option, in your opinion at least. Uh, you can form your own opinion on that. But Calvin Ridley's route running is a really underrated. I think he's the most underrated wide receiver in the league. He's put up big numbers in the past, especially last year. And I think with the way he's looked in camp and his situation with Matt Ryan, probably a top 12 quarterback in the league. Julio Jones being the wide receiver one, him getting possible DB3 attention from D, from uh, defenses on the depth chart at least. He is bound for a breakout year in an Atlanta uniform. I don't think you can overlook Calvin Ridley and the tremendous upside that he has. Going to tight end now. I think that Calvin Ridley could fall in drafts. I've seen that as a trend. His ADP starting to tinker down a little bit. I don't think it's unreasonable to take Zach Ertz as a tight end. Kind of reach a little bit for him. Of course, he's going to be essentially the wide receiver one in Philly. He's got a unique situation. There's only, I think there's possibly four, maybe five tight ends in the league that have that unique situation where they're the essential wide receiver number ones. The two that stand out to me the most, of course, is Zach Ertz in Philly with Carson Wentz as his quarterback. And then in, in uh, San Francisco, George Kittle with Jimmy G as his quarterback. Of course, in Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes uh, is the quarterback for, Zach, for uh, George Kittle. But I think that Tyree kills there, which takes away... Uh, Travis Kelsey's, you know, the argument for him being the wide receiver one because there's no real targets to throw to there, but there is with Tyree Kill. I do think that you could say something about Mark Andrews in Baltimore, even though Hollywood Brown's there. Hollywood Brown, her for a few games, was missing. Uh, Mark Andrews put up some big numbers. I think that the only other situation other than uh, San Francisco and Philadelphia where the tight end is the essential wide receiver number one is probably in Las Vegas now with a Darren Waller. I do think that he's a very reasonable and good pick uh, at the tight end, but definitely Zach Ertz is going to be, uh, in my opinion, better this year. But I don't think it's out of the realm of question to get Zach Ertz as your tight end. And then at the flex... Uh, I do believe I had a different flex. Yes, I did. Okay, so I ended up trading for... I ended up getting Terry McLaurin, which is a really good trade in my opinion. But my original flex, DJ Chark. I'm high on this dude as well. I, I, I'm higher on Terry McLaurin, obviously, with his situation. Uh, Alex Smith might be the quarterback there, which is going to be an ups ups uh, step up from rookie Dwayne Haskins. I still think Haskins needs a lot more... Uh, development and obviously with what we've seen in camp Alex Smith coming off a horrific leg injury is still better but Chark ranks number 51 currently in projections among all fantasy players I do believe that last season here if I can try to find where I uh, traded him to so I could pull up his numbers I think that here let me just look look him up he ranked possibly top 15 if not definitely top 20 among wide receivers last season number 17 put up some big numbers I think that he was the most underrated fantasy wide receiver last season he was an easy guy to trade for put him in at your flex and you're more times than not getting some good production from this guy ended the season with uh three out of his four la three out of the four last games that he played I should say were under double digit points 
I do think that he had inconsistency that could possibly pick up with guard, with uh, a clear-cut quarterback situation in Gardner Minshew starting there. Yes, Leonard Fournette's the running back there. I am a big believer that he is going to get traded by the trade deadline and that he's going to go to a different situation. And that Leonard, Leonard Fournette wants out. Jacksonville wants to get more draft picks to rebuild for the future. Kind of go into this draft like the Miami Dolphins did in this last draft class. with In this last draft with, I think, three first-round picks and a couple of second-rounders. Five picks in the first two rounds. I think Jacksonville kind of wants to be that kind of team. And I think trading Leonard Fournette, you could definitely get a big package for him. And that leaves you know, Chris Thompson to be the running back. I definitely think that they're going to want to give Gardner Minshew chances to throw the ball here and give it to guys like DJ Chark and D.D. Westbrook. But I think D.J. Chark's going to be the clear-cut wide receiver number one. Minshew and Chark had a great chemistry last year. And I think that that could translate over this year very, very well. Very, very well. Um, I'm high on DJ Chark. I think you can get him there at your flex. Looking at defenses later in the draft, I think that you just got to get who you believe is best there. Uh, my reasonable uh, thing is Eagles defense and uh, Jason Myers, a Seattle Seahawks kicker. I do think Young White Koo could put up some big numbers. I mean, he, he put up some big numbers to start out last year at a kicker position. It was shocking to me that nobody picked him up on the waiver wire after about three weeks of him putting up double-digit points as a kicker. I ended up picking him up, and he did pretty good for me there. Uh, Bench-wise, here's what a realistic bench could look like, in my opinion, uh, from a uh, wide receiver standpoint. Uh, let's let's pull up a different team because that bench, uh, I don't like that bench a little. Uh, from a wide receiver standpoint, I do think you could pick up Marvin Jones Jr. and put him on the bench. He's arguably a flex option. Wide receiver 2 in Detroit. Uh, I think he ranked in the 20s among wide receivers last season. He was pretty good for Detroit. I do think he was undervalued just a little bit in uh, Lions uniform. I do think at running back, you could either go with Raheem Mostert or J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins, uh, as an Ohio State guy, I know what he can do. He can do it in the pass game and the run game. He is going to split touches with Mark Ingram. I do think that that could be a possible red flag. And another one, of course, being a rookie running back. And I think that you guys, if you uh, as skit to this point don't know, that uh, I really think that rookie running backs pose a big risk. But I think that Raheem Mostert or J.K. Dobbins could fit the role uh, there as a, as the top backup running back. Uh, I say you go with two wide receivers on the bench, one more running back, a tight end, and a quarterback. I think let's go with the tight end, Mike Gesicki, tremendous upside. Probably, probably a guy who a lot of people believe could be the biggest breakout player at the tight end position in Miami because of how they played at the end of last season, especially Gesicki. And now they got Tua in there. I, I mean, a lot of people believe, including myself, that Kasiki's in a really good situation to have a breakout season. Quarterback-wise, here's where I say you either got to go with Big Ben or Ryan Tannehill. I think you go Ryan Tannehill if Big Ben is in there because Big Ben's going to get a lot of chances to throw the ball. He's going to rack up yards, rack up TDs, and he's going to rack up fantasy points. But I think a guy you also got to look at is Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill last season, yes, ranked 22nd among the quarterbacks last among quarterbacks last season. Uh, didn't play for the first five weeks. Uh, week six came in towards the end of the game. After week, uh, starting week seven, no games under double-digit points. His worst game was 
at Indianapolis with 13.78. The most reliable fantasy quarterback from Week 7 on last year. If you saw his first couple of games against the Chargers and, and Buccaneers last season, and you needed a backup quarterback, you snatched him up so quickly. I snatched him up very quickly in one league. In another, somebody else snatched him up. Uh, I waited a little bit because for some reason they, they dropped him again, and then I picked him up. I think it was week 11 thereby, obviously, and then I uh, threw him in the week after. Tannehill's a guy that was snatched up last season, and I think that the same is going to happen this season because uh, he was the best quarterback statistically from week six, week seven on. I think that he did not get enough credit for what he did in a Tennessee uniform last season, and I think that he's reasonable to get as a really good backup quarterback because of what he was able to do last year. The consistency that he had was probably the most consistent at the quarterback position I've ever seen. I mean, I've, I've had a short, you know, football life that I can remember in terms of watching the game, following the game, and obviously analyzing the game and playing fantasy football. But Ryan Tannehill was easily the most consistent quarterback from Week 7 on that I've seen in a long time, possibly ever. At your wide receivers, I think you gotta, you got to try to get Emmanuel Sanders. He's going to be the wide receiver, too, in New Orleans. People are going to give attention to Michael Thomas. And... He did very. He did pretty well with the Broncos last season. Uh, took a step down when he got to the 49ers, obviously, but I do. He still put up some good numbers to be a flex. He is being ranked in the hundreds among all fantasy football players. Uh, I think he's ranked 103 overall, and people are overlooking him. He's an easy trade piece, obviously, to bring in on a haul for a guy if you're selling, if you're buying. I definitely think if you have him on the bench, you could use him. But I really just think that people are overlooking Sanders for no reason. I think that he could be a flex option and he could and people are treating him and putting him on their bench like he's their second best wide receiver on the bench. I think Sanders is going to grow into a starter role as a flex by midseason. So I think that if you can get Emmanuel Sanders on your bench, do it. If you can't get Sanders, go ahead and get Deontay Johnson, another wide receiver too in Pittsburgh. Uh, he was huge in target separate. Uh, he was had the most catches uh, and target separation. I th I forget what kind of stat it was, but there was some correlation between uh, catches and target separation. I think he had. I think he ranked in the top five for receptions among rookies. He's going to be used in that Pittsburgh pass game. He's he drew a B like comparisons at the uh, at around the draft time and at the combine. He's got the same maybe build, same talent, same skill set. I do think he's the second coming of Antonio Brown, and this is his breakout year where he gets his attention. I think if you don't get Emmanuel Sanders, you get Deontay Johnson. If you're a Steelers fan, go vice versa. Uh, your third wide receiver I think you should pick up is De Deshaun Jackson, who has looked absolutely insane in camp. Played only three games last season, two of them which he came out early. The one game he did play fully healthy last season put up 35 points. Deshaun Jackson still has got some stuff left in the tank. And with the little wide receivers to throw to with, the in, with again, already the injuries hitting and the amount the, and the lack of experience and lack of talent at the wide receiver core, uh, I mean, Alshon Jeffrey is the only other wide receiver there. Of course, you got Zach Ertz as a tight end uh, target-wise. There's going to be three guys you're going between, the, between Jackson, Ertz, and Jeffrey. But Jackson put up huge number, uh, in his, numbers in his one game he played last season. He's beaten up on Darius Slay in camp right now. And I think that he is hungry 
for more this year and that he's really going to help your your team on the bench. You could get him with like around your last position player pick. He's a guy a lot of people are going to overlook. I don't want to be that guy, and I think that people are I think that you if you can get Deshaun Jackson on your bench. Again, this is re, this is the reasonable. Uh second running back, you could either go with Adrian Peterson is going to get the main touches in Washington now that Geis has been released. Uh, maybe Antonio Gibson, whichever one you want to go with. Again, Gibson, uh, backup rookie running back. I think that that is a major red flag. He's I don't know. We don't know about the running back situation there if they're going to split touches or not. Uh, but yeah, I would rather go Adrian Peterson now that Washington football team uh, scenario with running backs. I do. I, I think you got to put Alexander Madison in your backup because Dalvin Cook gets hurt. Madison comes in. Madison showed last year that if he's going to get the main touches in at a team, he's going to put up some pretty decent numbers. Uh, he had breakout potential last year, and Cook didn't get hurt for Madison to show that off. I don't think I don't, I'm not saying Cook gets injured. But if he does, he has in the past, it's a hamstring issue that he's had act up on him multiple times. If that hamstring comes back to bite him, takes him out for a few games, you got Madison on your bench, you are set. Madison coming in out for Dalvin Cook is going to be a huge, huge get for you if you're going to be there. And if you're in that position where Madison's there and there's no real other running backs other than backup running backs, I think that he has the best potential to break out within, uh, barring an injury or a change at the running back position. He's got the biggest breakout potential. That's going to wrap it up for the Look Back with Mac podcasting on this Wednesday, August 26th. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. Uh, go check out my TikTok uh, page at Pro Sports Opinions. That is actually growing really fast, and I think I'm going to try to use that to try to get some guests here on the podcast. Uh, I'm mauling up a change in the genre, at least, to possibly cover only football, but for the time being, for the future, uh, for foreseeable future, I should say, we're going to cover all sport. We're going to cover baseball, football, and basketball. Uh, again, thank you for listening to this August 26th, uh, Wednesday edition of A Look Back with Mac. Go ahead and check, check out my TikTok page at Pro Sports Opinions. Uh, I'll probably take some questions for the podcast on there. Uh, go ahead and follow my Instagram if you want. Uh, DM me any questions you might want to have answered on the podcast. Uh, or... Uh, if this, if I get enough people to add to get some traction for this, uh, possibly if enough people inst- DM me on Instagram, I'll get a fantasy football league started for the Look Back with Mac podcast. Uh, but I've done TikTok, I've done TikTok at least uh, fantasy football leagues. I've got some of those started. That's actually where I'm getting some of this information. I got some other leagues that I'm doing. Uh, but yeah, thank you for tuning into this uh, episode. Make sure to check out my TikTok at Pro Sports Opinions, Instagram at, my, at Michael underscore McKenzie two. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L, Michael underscore McKenzie, M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E, two. Want to check me out on Instagram? Go ahead and do that. I don't post much on there. Uh, That's more for uh, DMing questions. There. Podcast move to Wednesdays. Look out for the upload next Wednesday where we recap the NBA first round of playoff action. So long and have a good day.